Welcome back to Cthulhu Light Show, your one-stop shop for news you've already heard and opinions you do not need. On today's episode, uh, we're talking about uh, Nintendo's again. It's Nintendo handhelds this time. I'm Dakota. Mm-hmm. I'm Brian. And look at that. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, if this gets added in time. Hopefully, yeah, if I edit it tonight. But yeah, so this is technically part two to an episode we did a long time ago. Uh, what did you say? What did you say it was episode five? Yeah, episode five. It's uh, mm-hmm. if I remember the title correctly, it's shilling Nintendo products for an entire hour. Well, this is shilling Nintendo products for another hour. There's the episode title. It's right there. Perfect. So yeah, last time we specifically talked about Nintendo consoles, um, gave a rundown of like their history, their performance, and how we feel about them, and we'll be doing the same thing today for the handhelds. Yeah, so let's kick right into it, because even though I said you got nerd news already heard, uh, we quit doing that. So let's slide right, right into the... Pikmin 3 is getting ported onto the Switch. Oh, crap, that's right. Pikmin 3 Deluxe is on the Switch uh, soon. I was initially mad because I wanted Pikmin 4, but they are adding a lot of cool stuff like co-op, so it's fine. I'll probably buy it. When are we going to get a uh, Pikmin 3 pack so that I can finally own all the games? Yeah, that'd be nice. Switch would be the system to do it on for the motion controls. Anyway. So Pikmin 3 was in the Wii U, right? Yes, it was. It was right, one yeah, of the best games on see, this, why, this is why we don't do the nerd news. We get lost in the weeds on the topics. The, yeah, the, the little weeds with little carrot bodies and cute little eyes and special elemental abilities. and They come out of onions. See, you just did reason. it again. We did it again. Yeah, yeah. Right. Pikmin's fun. Yeah. We'll, 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 I'm sure we'll do some Pikmin episodes. Yeah, we'll do at least one Pikmin episode, if not one for each game, I think. Yeah. But that's for a different time we run out of topics to actually discuss. Today, we're talking about Nintendo handhelds. Uh, sure and I guess because I'm taking charge of the episode, I'll uh, start things off with the one that everyone knows. You know, it was the first, it was the best, the Game & Watch. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, technically it was the first. So the Game & Watch first launched, and again, these are U.S. release dates. We don't use the uh, the Japanese release dates because we're not in Japan yet. Yet? Donate donate to our Patreon. That's the... No. That's one of the goals. We'll move to Japan. No. I don't want that. <laughs> um, so the Game & Watch released in America uh, April 28, 1980. At least uh, the first one was uh, Ball, the name of the game. I'll be honest, I've never had a Game & Watch. Uh, I never got to use one. Yeah. Uh, I'll, dro- I'll drop right up top here. I am a bit, or not am, I was a collector of Nintendo handhelds. I had uh, most of them except for the Game Boy Light, Game Boy Micro, and I think the original DS. There, buried the lead. And the Virtual Boy, which according to this Wikipedia article that we used to put the episode together, is a handheld. We'll get to that, though. I don't think we really need to spend much time on Game & Watch, because we have, like, literally no experience with it. Um, I've played a lot of the games after the fact, and found most of them to be not very fun. I think some of them were turned into WarioWare mini-games eventually, and... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but with Game & Watches, it wasn't like... 
a console. It was like a handheld arcade cabinet, right? Where it was like, it had one game, and you purchased that game and watched to play that game. Yeah, that right? it, it's it's in the same vein as, like, like the Tiger Electronics games, or, like, uh, Pokemon or like those, those little tiny video games you'd get in, like, a Happy Meal, or, like, a Burger oh, King yeah. Kids meal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so... They're one screen, dot matrix. It's just lighting up certain etches in the screen itself, and it pretty much became a DS. Eventually, they had the they had like a, a multiple screen setup, and it, oh yeah, they did. That became yeah. that became the DS eventually. Well, um, Game and Watch is most pop, or is most famous for Mister Game and Watch, who is a very popular Smash character now, but. Uh... It started at all, but we don't really have much to say about it. Um, I'm in favor of moving on to the Game Boy. Yeah, well, let's get into the one that everyone knows about, the one that I actually got to play. First of all, I'll just say the Game Boy was released in America July 31st of 1989. It sold uh, 118 million units, um, and it you know, was alongside the NES one of the things to pave the way for Nintendo's extreme success. And you can see that even from early on, Nintendo had this model of having a console and a handheld catering to different audiences, but running at the same time. And that's something that has continued to this day, arguably until the Switch, which is kind of a fusion of those models. The Game Boy, personally, I never owned a classic Game Boy. I've never even played one. Um, I saw it once, and I remember thinking it looked like a big, fat, chunky brick, uh, and I that, I was very dismissive of it. Um, you actually owned one, correct? Yeah, and I I, I could have sworn you owned a, a original fat Game Boy. I have a Game Boy Color. Oh, right. <clears throat> I had, and I, I actually did play the Game Boy a fair bit, um, Kirby's Dream Land. You did. Good, good stuff, good stuff. And of course, Tetris, actually really fun on the first console it was released for. You know, I take it back. Um, the daycare I went to when I was a young kid, they did have a Game Boy, and there was some, there was Tetris on there, and there was some old Mario game. I don't know if it was like Mario Land or something, or if it was just like a straight port of the NES game, I don't remember, but it was very primitive, um, and I played a lot of it, so I, I take that back. Oh, there you go. Because, like I said, I, I would have brought mine over because I had actually talked about this. Uh, they, this will segue into a nice little thing here. I had the Game Boy and the Game Boy Pocket, which got mm-hmm. released. Uh, basically a slimmer Game Boy. ran triple A's to double A's, and it wasn't a brick in your pocket. Right. Probably the most significant... Like, this might piss some people off, but I would say probably the most significant games that the... Game Boy gave us were Pokemon Red and Blue. Do you think that's fair to say? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Go start up there with, uh, I'd say, like, Tetris. It's, like, it, like must-have yeah. games for the, ga- for the Game Boy. Yeah. There was also Link's Awakening, which was for the original Game Boy, although I think Link's Awakening DX was by far the preferred version for most people. I had DX. I didn't know there was Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Yeah, DX was was the game with color and they added an extra dungeon that revolved around color which is kind of cool but um yeah Link's Awakening was black and white originally red and blue were black and white originally and then 
Pokemon kind of bridged the gap onto the Game Boy Color with Pokemon Yellow. Although you could colorize Pokemon Red and Blue if you put them in the Game Boy Player for the N64 with Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that, unfortunately. No, me either. But yeah, my time... I have an N64 still, and I had a Game Boy. I gotta get that back eventually. Yeah. The big thing this episode is doing, besides uh, making sure that we put an episode out this week, is probably going to get me back into collecting. Nice. For better or worse. I I was going to say, one thing that you'll notice with the handhelds is they're not particularly gimmicky, at least not at first. You know, I think Nintendo's become a little bit famous slash infamous for being a slightly gimmicky company. Some would say innovative, some would say gimmicky. But the handhelds were usually pretty straightforward, where, like, each version was better than the last. Like, the Game Boy was huge, and it was in black and white, and it was less powerful. And then, you know, eventually you get the, the more compact Game Boy Color, which gave you color, and then the Game Boy Advance, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, so, and even there, like, Nintendo still improved on the Game Boy itself, like I said, with the Game Boy Pocket and the Game Boy mm-hmm. Lite, which, mm-hmm. like I said before, was one of the uh, handles that evaded me. Yeah. in my more collectible days. People who have, like, a nostalgic attachment to the Game Boy might feel differently from me, but unlike the NES, I don't see a lot of value in the original Game Boy. Not that I think it, like, not that I'm, like, interested in, like, condescend being condescending about it, but I just think, like, subsequent versions were just, like, objectively better, and... There were relatively few iconic games on the original Game Boy, and just about every single one of them was ported or remade onto a later handheld in better quality. Um, even Pokemon Yellow, it was a pretty different experience, but it was in some ways better than the originals. And then those games were remade for Game Boy Advanced, and Tetris has been redone a million times, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of attachment or interest in the original Game Boy. I like the Game Boy. I appreciate what it did, not just for <laughs> Nintendo, but for handheld gaming in general. Mm-hmm. But if I can if I can keep playing pretend expert here, uh, <laughs> I would go with the Game Boy Pocket over the original Game Boy. I think you did show me the Game Boy Pocket once, and I do remember thinking it looked better. Like I said, it's, it's a smaller... It's a smaller Game Boy with the same specs. I'm gonna look at a pick real quick. Yeah, I mean, that's roughly Game Boy Color sized, it looks like. About. Yeah, it's actually a little smaller than the Game Boy Color. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. In, like, a size comparison. Uh, another thing, we said originally uh, 118 million units sold. Uh-huh. That isn't just Game Boy, that's Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, uh, the Game Boy Play It Loud, which I believe is just a Game Boy with a better speaker, or dual yeah. speakers. The Game Boy Light and Game Boy Color, so that's yeah. all of those combined in those. And I, I tried breaking it down. I couldn't find uh, definitive numbers on like Game Boy sold, Game Boy Color sold. So for Game Boy and the Game Boy Color, we did 118 million. Yeah, all of our figures that we mention are going to include like the derivatives and the subcategories. I, I guess we should mention that the Game Boy did have some kind of interesting if not fun, like, peripheries. I mean, the link cable started with the original Game Boy, obviously, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I didn't have one as a kid, so I kind of hate 
the uh, the link cable, but you know, there's also the Game Boy printer, which I can't believe is a thing. Yeah. Um, well, how are you gonna print your Game Boy? How do you print your pictures off your Game Boy camera? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. And there was the camera. And the, the interesting thing is, Game Boy games did push some of these peripherals. Like um, in Pokemon, the reward for 100%ing your decks was a certificate whose only purpose was to be printed out with your Game Boy printer. Or in Link's Awakening, there is a character who takes pictures of you, and the whole point of the pictures is you can print them out and hang them up, you know? So, yeah, stuff like that I, I, I think is interesting. I don't know if any of that stuff besides the link cable was really particularly successful, but you know. Uh, yeah, nothing outside of the, uh, the, you know, the link cable and like the Super Game Boy. They're really the biggest, uh, mm-hmm. like, peripheries for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I scrolled down a little bit on the Game Boy Wikipedia page, and there's a picture of Hillary Clinton playing a Game Boy on Air Force One. <laughs> How about you take us in to talk about the golden boy of the list? Um, it's a shame that this is so early on the list because this is the best thing, but we gotta talk. Yeah, about it. yeah. You know, as they say, Nintendo peaked early. Um. So next up on our list here, as my AC kicks on again, thanks for that. Is uh, the Virtual Boy? Yeah, that's right. We're counting the Virtual Boy in this. The Virtual Boy was originally released on August 14th, 1995, and ended sometime before I was born. Yes. Sometime in in 96. I can't track down an actual date. I thought it was only launched for, like, a few months. Yeah, it it only lasted... It lasted barely a year. Oh, did it? Did it even last that long? Okay. Barely a year. I think it did do slightly better in Japan than here. But it still didn't do well. Yeah. Notable thing... Oh, and uh, Virtual Boy sales units sold uh, 770,000, according to a random uh, Famitsu article that we found through Wikipedia. Um, Didn't even crack a million. Yep. It did worse than the GameCube. People need to leave the GameCube and the Wii U alone. They they do. Remember remember where we could be. (laughs) Uh, The biggest thing the Virtual Boy did for gaming besides making a bunch of great youtube video content is the stereoscopic uh 3d effect that it has which of course got brought over to the 3ds and that was a huge success so the technology the tech, uh, I, it's good technology it just wasn't ready for the time kind of yeah for kind anybody of. for anybody who doesn't know the way the virtual boy worked was like it stood on like a tripod kind of and you could like fold these little doors open to reveal the screen and then i believe you were you had to like lean in close and like crane your neck weird in order to get the like stereoscopic 3d effect and it was all red leds am i right yeah it was monochromatic just red yeah so there were tons of complaints of, like, horrible migraines, neck strain, eye strain. Um, I also believe LEDs were a lot more expensive to produce at the time, so it wasn't even particularly cheap to manufacture these. Yeah, it is much, much cheaper now. It's pennies on the dollar compared to 
1995. But so yeah, it, uh, it caused health problems. It was very inconvenient to use. It didn't really market well. Like, it's technically a handheld, but it looks very clunky. Well... So I take it back, my, uh, I forgot, it's not like a little cabinet that opens on a screen, there's like little goggles almost that you put your face up against, kind of like looking into a microscope. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a, a shitty VR headset on like a tripod. Mm-hmm. And it had a, you know, I, I do think the Virtual Boy is noteworthy because again, Nintendo's pushing the envelope with technology that was at the time on the cutting edge to the point where people didn't really know what to do with it. Um, and VR is huge now. Nintendo was trying to do it back then. And I also think it's worth noting that for whatever reason, Nintendo has been obsessed with 3D since the beginning. The GameCube was intended to be a 3D console, and they finally did it with a 3DS, and it still really didn't work on the 3DS, which we'll get to, but this was their first like misstep in that long journey. Yeah, I don't get their obsession with 3D. No, like, me either, because it, it never works. It, it, uh, it it worked. We'll get into it. The, the new the yeah. new the new 3DS fixed it, but we'll get into it. It did. It was better, but I still usually played with it off. Um. Oh, let's see here. There were barely any games. Ten is twenty-two games released all together. Oh, holy fuck! Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest was originally developed for the Virtual Boy. What? Production was cancelled. No prototype has surfaced. Can't imagine why. And also, apparently, GoldenEye 007 was originally conceived of as a Virtual Boy game. Only a single screenshot exists. No prototype has surfaced. Holy shit. Star Fox is on here, too? Holy shit, they dodged so many bullets. What, like Star Fox 2? No, it just says Star Fox. It says oh, a technical wow. demo, gameplay footage, and screenshots exist. Jesus. Nintendo put a lot more effort into the Virtual Boy than I thought they would. Yeah, well, and in fairness, like, Donkey Kong Country 2 was a pretty late addition to the Super Nintendo. Donkey Kong Country 3 came out on the Super Nintendo after the N64 was already out. So, like... I can see how that would have been a cancelled project. Yeah, it says they used sprites from Donkey Kong Land, which I believe is a classic Game Boy game. Interesting. So yeah, Virtual Boy has a very interesting history. It's a very weird piece of Nintendo history. But there's not, you know, there's not a lot of merit to this thing. The most credit I can give it is they tried something really ambitious. And you'll also see that the, like, pseudo-console-slash- handheld like hybrid thing was also repurposed for the nintendo switch so like clearly there were good ideas buried in here it just took them a while to perfect them and 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 make it work yeah the technology wasn't where it needed to be yet no and some Um, argue is still not there yeah well so i guess technically it's my turn for the game boy color um the game boy color was released in november 18th of 1998 it sold 118 million units over the course of its life. I definitely did own a Game Boy Color, as I think most people our age did at some point. I will say, though, for me, the Game Boy Color, while I do remember playing it and loving it, when I owned it, I was such a small kid that I don't remember 
much of what I played on it. I the Game Boy Advance was most of my childhood, and then you know the DS. I know I had both Oracle games, both Legend of Zelda Oracle games. I know I had Pokemon Silver. I don't honestly remember what else I had for the Game Boy Color. I know I had more than that. I had a Lilo and Stitch game that I fucking loved, I remember. I had a SpongeBob game, game. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, that might have been Game Boy Advanced. The SpongeBob game was definitely Game Boy Color, though. I had one. Actually got mine a little later in, in life. Wow. Because I, I, yeah, I, I picked one up at a flea market for like 10 bucks. Fucking scumbag. Real, real bastard. Yeah. Um, because, because, yeah, you know, I'm like almost mid 20s, so we're, we're about getting up into nostalgia territory, but I did use the Game Boy Color quite a bit. I played through, uh, I had gold and silver. I actually ended up picking those, both those up. I can't think of a single other game, honestly. I had a Hamtaro game that fucking slapped. I bet it did, dude. Yeah. I like I know I had a ton of a ton of games, but I just don't remember most of them very well. Like I said, the Game Boy Advanced was the one I spent the most time with. The Game Boy Color, of course, you know, the ultimate like plus Super Saiyan Ultra Instinct Game Boy. <laughs> you know, there's basically the top of the line for what people consider like the you know original Game Boy because of course with Game Boy Advance and on from there the radical design changes. Yeah, well the the Game Boy Color still physically resembles the original Game Boy, whereas both versions of the Game Boy Advance look very different from the classic Game Boy. Um, yeah, and they all like do the Game still Boy share Micro. a basic, the same basic design philosophy. Game Boy Color is still this was pretty much exactly the same, but again just better. Yeah, not than, a whole lot to talk about it. Uh, it's got a color screen. Still not backlit. That's not going to be for a while. Still on that battery-powered bullshit. Yep. For a hot minute, it was the only handheld. Which is pretty cool, because oh. otherwise it had the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which was better but more expensive, and also nobody cares about it. And the Wonder Swan Color, which again, oh, yeah. better, and nobody cared about it. Which was developed by Gunpei Yokoi, which... He developed all the Game Boys up until then. Including the Virtual Boy. Which I think that was his that was why he left Nintendo. Yeah, I believe so. It was so. because of the Virtual Boy, and then he went I did Wonder Swan and that bombed and I don't know what happened to him after that. You wanna know a wacky fact about the Wonder Swan? I do. It's um it's actually kind of coveted now by a certain group of people. Um, because there were three extremely popular, I think it was three, whatever, there were a few extremely popular Digimon games for the Wonderswan. I think most of them were only released in Japan. I don't even know if the Wonderswan left Japan, but like, hardcore Digimon fans do sometimes seek out Wonderswans because like, characters from the Wonderswan games occasionally appeared in the various uh, iterations of the anime. Huh. So that's my useless Wonder Swan fact. That's wild. I, I had no idea. Right? Who would want that thing? Whoa. I just realized I've been staring at I've been staring at the word Game Boy Color too long. How color looks like it's spelled wrong. Shh. Game Boy Color. Uh, color. That's weird. I Let's also, move on. Wait, wait, I wanna add real quick. 
But Game Boy Color started doing the thing that they don't do anymore, which makes me mad, which is they started having really interesting special cartridges for games. Namely, Pokemon Crystal. Like, oh, yeah, the, 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 different, uh, the different, like, colors and styles. Well, like, and I believe the original Game Boy did that to an extent. Like, red, green, and blue all had, their cartridges were the corresponding colors, I think. And the same was true for, and, like, yellow was the same. I can't remember if silver and gold looked, like, particularly glossy or anything. But I just know crystal was not just blue, but it was, like, vaguely translucent. And there was, like, glitter in the mold. Yes! So it looked really cool, and they carried that over into subsequent Pokemon games. The cartridges looked special based on what game it was. Like, Fire Red and Leaf Green had solid GBA cards. They were just solid color. But then Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald were made to look a little more kind of translucent and and shiny. Um, And they stopped doing that with the DS. I miss that. One last thing to note. The entire... Game Boy line up to that point was discontinued on March 23rd, 2003, mm-hmm. right around uh, the time the GBA SP came out. You know, the Game Boy yeah. Advanced SP, which I prefer SP stand, uh, stands for special. Thanks, mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Nice work. Speaking of, Brian, let's move on into the Game Boy Advance. So, in my opinion, although I, I love all of the handhelds that come after this, In my opinion, the Game Boy Advance is kind of the mother of all Nintendo handhelds. It had a much sleeker, more compact design. I'm talking pre-Game Boy SP. There were shoulder buttons. It was, you know, just a more powerful device. I think it was roughly comparable to the Super Nintendo. A lot of Super Nintendo games got ported onto the GBA. It also... Well, I guess the Game Boy Color started the trend of backwards compatibility, kind of. But the GBA was like... We specifically designed the new cartridges so that the old cartridges would still fit. So you can, not only can you play Game Boy Game Boy Color games on the Game Boy Advance, but you can tap the shoulder buttons to change the screen resolution. So that was cool. I forgot to mention, by the way, the Game Boy Advance came out in June 11th of 2001. It sold 81 million units in its lifetime. So actually not as much as I expected compared to some of the others, but... I, would you agree that the Game Boy Advance might have the best catalog of games for a Nintendo handheld? Uh, no. I would actually go with the DS line. You really think so? Interesting. Okay, well, we can talk about that when we get there. I mean, I think the DS and the 3DS have good catalogs, but I think the the, the Game Boy Advance just had so much and some really high-quality stuff. Oh, yeah, no, the Game Boy Advance gave us Fire Emblem, finally, in the U.S. Yes, true, true, yeah. And Advance Wars, because I don't know if I mentioned Advance Wars, someone would get mad. It's basically Fire Emblem, but, like, modern day. And, of course, you know, the best Pokemon games, you know, the, the, the Hoenn generation. Yeah. Well, and, in my opinion, the definitive Cantor remakes, Fire Red and Leaf Green. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just between those two games, like or like between the Kanto remakes and the Hoenn games, I got so many hours out of my Game Boy Advance just playing those games over and over and over again. It's just something about the the game. I I, I get it. Where you're getting at, Brian? Something about the Game Boy Advance just says like quality, I guess, which is weird. 
because like it's a weird design it doesn't have like a backlight it's just well, the, the software more than the hardware i guess you know the hardware is yeah it was fine for the time yeah i just think like i mean probably a lot of this is my nostalgia but like Looking back, there are a lot of fantastic games. There's Fire Emblem, there's the Pokemon games we just talked about. There were two great Kirby games, namely Kirby Nightmare and Dreamland. Um, and then there was also Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, which is less amazing, but I did play it a lot as a kid. There were multiple Zelda games. Minish Cap, which is maybe my favorite uh, handheld Zelda um, there was Four Swords, which is complicated, but pretty good. There was an excellent port of A Link to the Past that was packaged with that game. Tons of great ports of existing Super Nintendo games, Super Metroid, all the Donkey Kong Country games. Um, I think Mario World was probably on, uh, on GBA, I'm not sure though. So just like tons and tons and tons of stuff. I also just think a lot of the sprite work that you found in GBA games was very aesthetically pleasing. Like, Nightmare in Dreamland and Minish Cap in particular, I always liked those, the, I always liked those games graphically. Uh, there was also, like, TV shows released on the Game Boy Advanced. Oh, yeah! Yeah. I forget the actual specific name for the cards, but, like... Yeah, I don't remember. I had, like, a couple Pokemon episodes on one. I can't think of what it is now, but but yeah. yeah, I had I had some Pokemon, I had some SpongeBob. Oh, they were just called Game Boy Advance Video. Oh, okay. I specifically had the Krusty Krab Pizza episode of SpongeBob. Classic. I remember. I also had the episode of Pokemon where they find the turtle, or they find like Squirtle Island. Also, another couple games that I, I forgot to mention. We got some bomb-ass Metroid games on there. We got Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission. Yeah, which for a while were kind of considered the last good, like... Excluding Prime, like, the last good, like, true Metroid games. Yeah, I really liked the Game Boy Advance. Did you have an e-reader? Oh, yes, I did! I did, I had an e-reader. So I didn't have the e-reader, but I did have the wireless adapter. That was pretty dope. Yeah, I never used that. I didn't have it that. Actually, um... It actually works with the original DS as well. Oh, cool. Because there, there was a point in time where I had a friend of mine who had the original DS, and he had, you know, Emerald, and I had Emerald, mm -hmm. and I, I just had a Game Boy SP because I was kind of poor growing up. So, like, it was cool that even with the accessories, Nintendo thought about, like, compatibility. Yeah, I think the thing that I loved about the Game Boy Advance was that... I got all of these brand new games that I loved, but I didn't have to give up the old games that I loved. I could still play all those Game Boy Color games that I had spent so much time with on my Game Boy Advance. Um, but yeah, I did have the e-reader. That was kind of one of the earliest like kind of marketing scams that Nintendo pulled on its on its user base. <laughs> marketing scam. I mean, they were, like, the e-reader was so fucking dumb. It was cool in theory. Like, there were some kind of cool things you could do with it. But in retrospect, I don't even remember what a lot of the perks were. Like, I know my sister and I had a lot of Animal Crossing e-reader cards. And I think if you used those and then, like, hooked your Game Boy up to the 
GameCube with the connector cable, which is something we should also talk about. I think maybe you could, like, have special villagers visit your island. I don't remember. Um, I know, I know connecting... Sorry, I, I, I'm probably going to say what you're going to say, but I know connecting the Game Boy to the GameCube with Animal Crossing got you... Uh, the island. Captain's Island? I don't think it had a name in the original game. It was just called oh. The Island. Oh, yeah. Well, you can, you can go to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You go to... That was the reason to use it in that game. Uh, yeah, that was literally it. But, um... The... To me, the coolest thing that the e-reader ever did was, like... If you went to events and got special Pokemon e-reader cards... And swiped them, that was how you got some of the mythicals in Gen 3. Like, I think Deoxys was an e-reader event, I think. Um, and that's, uh, that's, I, that's where all the Mirage Islands came from in the in Oraz. The one cool thing about the e-reader, like, objectively cool, is that... Remember in Pokemon Ruby Sapphire, there was that berry glitch? Yes. They released a patch for those games. Oh, yeah! The e-reader. You'd slide the card and it would... And it would, like, patch the berry glitch. That is true. That's very cool. But I just remember it was it was one of those things where you had to keep begging your parents for money to get new packs of cards. And you could easily get repeats of cards you already had. And what the gar- cards did was usually very negligible and very stupid. And, yeah. And naturally, I had, like, a ton of e-reader cards. And I had an e-reader and so did my sister. The GameCube connector cable is pretty self-explanatory there. You could connect your Game Boy Advance to your GameCube, and usually that meant there was some kind of special feature for the game. Like with Animal Crossing, you got to go to your island. What should we call it? With Wind Waker, you had like a Tingle mini game you could do on the Game Boy. And I want to say Tingle could kind of help by like dropping bombs in the overworld. I never experimented with it because... Frankly, the setup was kind of janky and weird, um, and I didn't really like using it unless I had no other choice. A personal childhood favorite of mine, me and my sister played a ton of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, and that was a game that could only be played in multiplayer. The game revolved around multiplayer, but you can only play it in multiplayer if you had two Game Boy, two Game Boys and two Game Boy connector cables. And... The kind of crazy thing was that that was their, like, solution for, like, split-screen, kind of. Where, like, you you still looked at the same screen to play the game, but if you needed to pause, you would just look at your Game Boy, and it wouldn't interrupt the flow of gameplay for the other person. So it had some applications. That's interesting and kind of cool in theory but it sounds like a nightmare to deal with in you know in actuality oh it kind of was sometimes and there was also this problem of like it's really annoying to constantly have to replace the batteries in your controllers because i seem to recall the gbas didn't even have the best battery life no wasn't wasn't great yeah but um and I, I i know my sister and i got to the point where we were like okay we would rather just play with regular controllers and interrupt each other's gameplay with the pause button like at this rate so yeah uh just stuff like that um otherwise i never got a ton of use out of the Game Boy connector besides those like three very specific instances do you want to talk about the sp a little bit 
And then we need to blitz uh, through the last two or three? Yeah, real quickly. We're not even going to touch on the micro, because, you know, it, 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 was, it was a smaller and apparently better uh, Game Boy Advance. Yeah. I, I never had one. I, I played the shit out of my Game Boy SP, though. That, that... I didn't have the backlit one, I had the frontlit model, the original, but still, that, that was a lifesaver. Just an incredible upgrade from, you know, having to play under a lamp to, you know, being able to play under the covers. Yeah, you know, tragically, I actually got my first SP when I was in high school, which is a huge bummer. Yeah, the worst part of the Game Boy Advanced was that, you you know, I if you were on a long car ride, you could only use it on the way there, you know? Like, I have very vivid memories of every time I had to go to, like, a grandparent's or an aunt or uncle's house for a holiday. I would play as much Game Boy on the way there as I could because I knew the sun would be would be down by the time I was coming home. Technically, Game Boy Lights did exist, but they were very finicky and very annoying. At best, kind of helpful. At worst, yeah, they, they like, a weight, at worst, a drain on your batteries. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, the SP was pretty much an improvement any, in every way. It was compact, it was backlit, um, it was chargeable, notably. Oh yeah, this is the first one with like re- the rechargeable battery, which of course had held with every uh, other handheld now. Yeah. It's so much better than having to put physical batteries in. Oh um, man, dude, the Game Boy SP is literally better in every every conceivable way. Yeah, it's technically unless, still a Game Boy Advanced, but... Unless yeah. you want to play with headphones. I mean, that, that's kind of a pain in the ass, but otherwise... Oh, yeah, there is no headphone jack on the on the SP. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's, like, the biggest, like, drawback on it, really. Yeah, but then that, that clamshell design, as you said, that carries on into the next two handhelds, which, um... Why don't you talk about the DS? We've uh, We've been blabbering for a long time, so we need to... Yeah, get going. You guys know what a DS is. The original Nintendo DS got released uh, in America first, actually, which is weird. November 21st, 2004, which makes me feel super old now. The DS stands for dual screen, which you can see because there's two screens on it. No, it doesn't. Fuck you. Shut up. It's, It's right there. Shut up, bro, you're confusing me. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> DS stands for dumb shit. <laughs> <sighs> so the DS... Was a PictoChat machine, fuck you. Yes, it was for talking to your friends if you wanted to be five feet away from each other. Hey man, that shit was great for bus rides, for, for, for field trips. That was, that was. I never really thought ahead on that one. But what I want to hit on here is, this is the biggest upgrade, of course. This is the end of the Game Boy line, even though it's supposed to be a third pillar in the lineup. Supposed to get more Game Boys after the SP, but the DS just sold so goddamn well. All DS models combined sold 154 million units. It's the best-selling handheld of all time, to, to date. And is the second best-selling console ever, behind, of course, the PS2. And also, it had like a really janky like Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, I barely used it. Yeah, nobody used it. It's uh, I yeah I, I didn't connect my DS online. I did the 3DS, the first one I put online. 
And of course, by then they had, it was, yeah, worked all right. Nintendo's always been, had a weird relationship with like online play. Yeah, they have. Like even now with the Switch, like you had to download a whole phone app to talk to your friends. And I finally did it one day. Me and Brian and Justin used it to play Splatoon. Yeah, and we use it for Animal Crossing eventually. A little and bit. And that, yeah, it, it's, it's alright. You just use Discord. Yeah, you're better off using something else is the point, yeah. Yeah, yeah use literally any other service. Uh, Zoom, Discord, Skype, whatever. A phone call. Yeah, yeah. anything. Just a three-way call. Anything c- connects better than the Switch Online app. But, whatever. I had a lot of fun with my DS. I don't know about you, Brian. Me too. I-, I played the absolute shit out of my DS. I got one for Christmas, and I actually regret selling it. Because what I did, the DS Lite came out. I'm like, oh, I want that one. So actually, with my own money, I traded in my DS to games. Of course, to GameStop because you know, EB Games at that point, but you know, brand loyalty. Traded in my fat DS for the the DS Lite. I still have that DS Lite. It's it's disgusting. I need to learn how to clean it, but I still have it. It still works. Of course, fourth, fifth gen Pokemon and all that. Uh, here, yeah. Brian, go ahead talk about your 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 uh, fine nostalgic uh, DS experiences. Yeah, I was just gonna say um, I was shitting on the DS just a minute ago, but I actually did love my DS. I played it a lot. I had the Electric Blue DS, which somehow I remember that that was actually what it was called. I looked it up and I found an article from 2005 saying it was coming to the U.S. Yeah, I had, I had the Electric Blue DS and uh, I did have a lot of fun with it. I recall the, f- the first game that really caught my attention was fucking Nintendogs, which sucked. Um, but I did love it at the time. Everyone's um, first game, that or like uh, Mario Bros. port. Yeah, I had that. I had WarioWare Touched, which was great. I loved WarioWare Touched. I'm trying to think. I had Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass, neither of which I'm massive fans of. Those are both Zelda games. I did have Gen 4 and Gen 5 of Pokemon. On the subject of, like, cool, cool, like, wireless features, uh, Pokemon did a lot with that, with the DS. Um, For one thing, you had the GTS, the Global Trading System. Ah, yes. But then you also... But then also in Gen 4, you had the underground network. Do you remember that? Vaguely. You were, you, there was literally just like a crisscrossing network of underground tunnels where you would like mine for treasure and you could build your base and you could set traps for other players. I don't think you could actually battle people down there, but like it was a fully online feature and you could encounter other players online. Um, the way you you got Spiritomb in that game was you had to talk to some ridiculous number of people in the 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 underground network. I can't remember if that's actually what it was called, but so that was pretty cool. I don't remember a ton of games that utilized the system beyond that, honestly. Yeah, there there's nothing really to, there. Yeah, there continued to be more Kirby games. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Blue was on. Uh, Oh, DS. yeah, and yeah, and Red was on Game Boy Advance because that was right at that that three pillar right. Nintendo lineup. One thing that was also cool about the the hardware of the DS was they made it so that the games in the DS slot and the game in the Game Boy slot could interact. 
Yes, that's how you get Pokemon off of third gen into fourth. Yeah, well, and I believe that was specifically how you would get, like, certain specific Pokemon. Like, I want to say if you had... Because, like, Magmortar and Electivire were introduced in Gen 4, and I want to say the game you had in the cartridge determined which baby Pokemon you got. And it might have even been how you got the held item to evolve them, I don't remember. That was really cool. I always thought that was neat. Uh, yeah. And again, they, they went far out of their way to accommodate backwards compatibility, where they made a completely different slot for Game Boy Advance games. Which is super cool. Again, yeah. that's that, that, you know, trading up in Pokemon, and of course, you play your backlog there. Uh, the yeah. DS Lite, you could still play Game Boy Advance games, but you couldn't play Game Boy Color or Game Boy games. Yeah. The original it's DS the actually did all of that, which is insane to think about. Oh, it is. Because um, I come out no four. That's yeah. what? That's you know, twenty years of of a backlog there for you. Yeah, I personally only ever had the classic DS. I knew a lot of people who had DS lights or who had uh, the DSi. I don't know about you. I personally think the DSi is kind of another like little bit of a marketing scam thing where it's like a little bit. Why the fuck do you need a special camera DS? Uh, for Flipnote. I guess. Literally the only reason was, you know, cause Flipnote was on DSi. Because my, my brother had one. Yeah. Yeah, my sister had one. Um, but that's another case where you can see Nintendo's old interests resurfacing. You know, it's, it's a continuation of the Game Boy camera attachment there. I suppose it is. And then the DS Lite just had wider screens and a larger grip, and I think it was slightly brighter as well. Yeah, the screens were brighter. It was, of course, lighter, DS Lite. Yeah. I, I got the white one, which was a bad idea because, like I said, uh, the DS Lite came out in like 2006. I still have the one that I had you know, when I bought it. I don't think on launch, but near launch. That thing is fucking disgusting. There's a reason it just sits on, on like a on a shelf in my room because god damn that thing is dirty i need i need to know how to take like the protective like layer off um one thing i will say about ds's is they were kind of notoriously fragile namely the the bit that connected the screens was not that hard to break i personally never had a problem with it but i i knew more than one person where their top screen was like dangling by a wire oh Um, yeah there's another thing i talk about it's actually Another first one, the first time I had to deal with, like, call center people was calling Nintendo to get my DS Lite repaired. Nice. Yeah, like, 13 years old, sit waiting on hold, because I, you know, just opened it up, the DS Lite hinge snapped, which that was the big design flaw on the lights. Uh, yeah. The DSi's had better hinges, like, that. I don't remember anything going wrong with those. I had two main frustrations with the DS. Um, the first one, which is very petty, is that I could not hang on to a fucking stylus to save my life. Nobody um, could, man. Don't feel bad about it. The only stylus I ever managed to hang on to for a video game was with the Wii U, and that was mostly because I barely used it. But um, I, <laughs> I, I forgot. I forgot the gamepad had a stylus. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> I 
I lost so many styluses. I remember for the Gen 4 Pokemon games, they had custom styluses that were ridiculous and impractical, where, like, one was blue and had a Dialga figurine on top, and one was purple and had a Palkia figurine on top. I think they were pre-order bonuses. I was always really sad that I didn't get one. Looked super cool, entirely impractical, because you can't put it in the DS. Yes. Um, And it's, like, really top-heavy, and it's longer than the average stylus, I think. Yeah. Um... It's just overall uh, a poor decision. Yeah. My other gripe would be that with the DS, they started with a lot of games to leave behind the like beautiful, crisp sprite work that the best GBA games had. And a lot of them felt the need to move into this like crappy pseudo 3D. Pokemon games technically did it, although it wasn't as egregious there. They didn't do it for the battles and it didn't look that bad in the rest of the game, but, like, The Legend of Zelda, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks are some of the ugliest games I've ever played. They took this, they took the gorgeous, uh, Wind Waker style and made it this pixelated polygonal nightmare that I hate looking at. Yeah, of course, super low res. It's 2004, you know, even the, 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 like, the DS's, like, your top DS only did, like, 360p i think so you can only imagine what the ds was working with yeah yes and i would also say to me touch controls i've always felt like a bit of a gimmick where video games are concerned the only ds game i had that i remember really liking the motion or the touchscreen controls was warioware touched but like again, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, the entire game was played with touch controls. That was how you moved. That was how you attacked. That was how you interacted with everything. And that shit drove me insane. So yeah, I I generally was never a huge fan of the touchscreen stuff. Um, I was fine with it as like a side thing, but I didn't like games that like insisted on it. It was fun for doodling stuff in Picto Chat. It was fun for like oh you know tiny stuff but i had i had years of fun drawing dicks in picto chat oh yeah oh yeah picture chat was genuinely fun in the right environment like on a school bus on the way to a field trip because everybody had a ds and everybody could enjoy them you know could could enjoy yeah. picto chat together and um, certain also, games with like ds download play and stuff like yeah true it, it looking back at this nintendo really really puts an emphasis on like not even multiplayer, like couch co-op. Inclusivity to a certain extent. Making sure yeah. that as many people can play their games as possible. Both with the but both with what you're talking about and with like backwards compatibility. There's also a microphone that is incredibly neglected and nobody cares about. Oh yeah, there's a microphone on it. Yeah. There was um they used that in niche little ways. Like you could like put out fires with it in the Zelda games and chat out. Uh, in Gen 4 was a Pokemon specifically created to use that feature where like you would create its cry using the microphone and based on how loud your recording was, its signature move would do more damage. And they had to remove that feature, I think by the time of Platinum, because they realized people were making it say indecent things. Um, (laughs) Just imagine someone in their room screaming expletives at their Pokemon. Well, I think it was partly a problem at, like, tournaments and stuff. <laughs> like, somebody enters with a chat-out that just screams, COCK! 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, moving on to something completely different. Uh, the Nintendo 3DS came out in North America on March 27th, 2011. The 3DS XL followed August 19th of, ne- of the next year. And this is probably my favorite uh, Nintendo handheld. I, I, I straight up just love my 3DS. 3DSs combined, that's, you know, 3DS, 3DS XL, uh, the new 3DS, new 2DS, all that bullshit. Combined sold uh, 75 million units. And, like, just this year, like they, they uh, Nintendo ceased production of new 3DSs. Yeah, it was a it was kind of a, a mainstay of the company for a while, especially while the Wii U was performing very poorly at the same time. Yeah, Nintendo would have survived regardless, based just based on Wii sales. But the 3DS yeah. really did help to float the company uh, in that weird, awkward time when the Wii U existed. I'm, I have kind of weird feelings about the 3DS. I played it for so long, but to me. It doesn't stand out that much in my mind because, like, it just feels like another DS. It's kind of a similar thing with, like, the transition from Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance, where, like, the 3DS is just the DS but better, in in my mind, you know? Yeah, it's, it's the logical conclusion. Again, it brings back uh, the, stereoscop- the stereoscopic uh, 3D yeah. gimmick that yeah. Nintendo loves to pull out every once in a while. The um the stereoscopic 3D, if you knew how to hold your head exactly right, was kind of fun to use, but overall it was a headache, and I mostly played with it off. Um, I know you say that the, the new 3DS fixed it, and it kind of did, but it still gave me a headache, even though it was much better. So I still didn't really use it for the new 3DS. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, like I, I still have my new 3DS XL. Like It works just fine, the... 3D does, but last time I used it was I was playing like Metopia or something, and like I just <laughs> yeah, and I, I could only use it for like an hour at a time because I get headaches after a while. So what it's a game like, to insist on 3D with that action adventure epic. I don't I know. Say it's it, it's it's oh, a sorry. no, it's fine. It's it's a it's a fun idea. It it yeah. eventually it got to work. I'll, I'll just say this. I think. The 3D could have been more than it was, but most developers weren't really interested in doing something with it. Like, the one game I ever played that felt like it had been designed with 3D in mind was Mario 3D Land for the 3DS, which was a pretty fun game. But the one thing I appreciated about it was the level design was constructed in such a way that sometimes you needed to have the 3D on because depth perception was genuinely important to, like, finding the pathway or finding a secret. Um, And I thought that was the most interesting 3D really was. But as, like, a side gimmick, I usually thought, eh, take it or leave it. Uh, The 2DS, literally just for children, uh, it looks like a shitty tablet you'd buy for your kid. I mean, I, I kind of like it conceptually, the idea of having a, like, acknowledging that some people don't care about the 3D, and so just removing that feature and making it more affordable for people who might not want to spring for the whole thing. Um, I like that. That's alright. The 2DS XL is better. The one that, the, the one that actually folds. 
Yeah, well, that that is a problem with the original 2DS, was it was literally one screen, but they divided the plastic to make it look like it was two, but it didn't close. Yeah, I think the main benefit of the 3DS was just it was more powerful. Um, the, the quote I always heard, which may, may or may not have been true, was that its specs were comparable to the GameCube. But um, this is where we started to get to see great remakes of console games on the 3DS. Because like previously you would see remakes of handheld games a lot on Nintendo's own handhelds. But like Ocarina of Time 3D was, I think, a launch title for the 3DS. I remember playing it like the day it came out. No, no, it wasn't a launch title. Because I remember I settled for like Lego Star Wars 3 for a while because I couldn't have Zelda yet. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but which no, sucked. Ocarina of Time 3 it, it came, came out, pretty out quick. 2011, 2012, so right around like the yeah. first year. And then later you had um, Majora's Mask 3D, which I have mixed feelings about, but I still think it's, you know, it's still fun to play. You had two generations of Pokemon. You had X and Y, and then you had four uh, Alola games, which I also have mixed feelings about. Sure um, were games. They sure were games. What what were the other, like, flagship games? Um, there was Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes, which were fun. I really like Link Between Worlds. Tomodachi Life sold really well. Of course, we already yes. covered Mario, Pokemon. What else? That, actually, that's kind of the, one of the bigger issues with the 3DS, is that it had a really weak, uh, at least for the first couple of years, it had a really weak, uh, like, selection of games. It kind of did, and... That was not exclusively a 3DS problem. The Wii U was suffering with that as well. Um, one of the things they started to do was port popular Wii U games onto the 3DS. Like, um, Hyrule Warriors eventually got put on the 3DS. Um, I Yeah, Donkey Kong uh, Re- Tropical Freeze got put on the 3DS. Um, I know the Splatoon group was approached to make a Splatoon 3D. Um, and they turned it down because they wanted the game to look console quality. Um, yeah, which you're so, not going to get on a handheld. Yeah, you're not. Especially um, not on the 3DS, like I said. That's like a 240p screen. Yeah. Now, the new 3DS was genuinely better. It had the extra shoulder buttons. It had the little control, like the camera nub. Yeah, the, um, the, C, the C stick is what they called it. Yeah, it wasn't really a stick, though, was it? Barely. But, it, it's uh, a weird, like... Ha- I, don't, mm, I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird... It doesn't move, but it's like... It's like a fusion of a touchpad and a button. Yeah, of. it's 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 weird. The It's it's not... It doesn't, like, depress when you push it, but the way you shift the pressure on the little button changes how the camera moves. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest problems with those new features was that barely any games utilize them. Um, the Zelda 3D remakes utilized them, um, but, like, Pokemon games didn't, um, the, uh, uh, Animal Crossing did not, although that was another massive 3DS title. Oh, God, I forgot about Animal Crossing, yeah. Yeah. Um. Several Fire Emblem games. Oh, yeah, the, all the, all the good Fire Emblem games are the ones that saved the franchise are on 3DS. Smash um, 4. Yeah, Smash 4, I was gonna bring that up, actually, because the C-Stick in Smash uh, that that's that was an easier way to use like charge attacks, right? Yeah, 
For me, the, one of the things I remember enjoying most about the 3DS was the same thing I loved about the Wii U, which was the massive virtual shop menu, the virtual console menu, like the, sorry, the, the massive virtual shop catalog. Um, I had so many old games from other consoles on my 3DS. I had all the Donkey Kong Country games. I had um, Pokemon Yellow. I had, I don't know, just a ton of games from either my childhood or games that I missed out on in my childhood that I was excited to get into again. And so... Um, yeah, I had uh, Zelda 1, Ocarina of Time 3D, uh, Rayman Origins. It was one of the newer ones. The Nintendo 3DS also brought a Street Pass. Oh, yes, which I hated. Which, uh, Brian hated it. I had a weird obsession with it. Yeah, you... I think that's the only reason I did hate it. I remember any time we would hang out, you would go, did you bring your 3DS? And if I didn't have it, you'd go, can we go get it? And then I also remember every time you would come over to my house, if my 3DS was sitting around, you'd turn it on and activate, activate Street Pass when I wasn't looking. Yeah. All, and all you had to do was turn it on, and okay. like, it would, it would, uh, it would t- they would talk to each other, and I would get your character, and I could use them in the little uh, like Street Pass Plaza minigames. Yeah, well, I just remember event, like it wasn't long before I got sick of turning it on for you so that you could have Street Pass, and you just started fucking doing it like when I was in the bathroom and stuff. You just like I, th- I think there was a time you ran upstairs because it was in a completely different like room. <laughs> yeah, it was it up. On. It was up on. It was up on your kitchen counter. Yeah, it was not uncommon for like me to like, you know, say goodbye to Dakota at the front door, turn around and see the little blue light flashing on my 3ds. <laughs> you had like a sickness. I, I it was an addiction. I I needed those. Yes. I needed those me characters, man. You could also like save the me's and stuff. It was it was it was a weird time in my life. Well, that was that coincided with Tomodachi life. So yeah, and that too. Cute. I also I also used to work at McDonald's. I bring my my 3ds to McDonald's because there was like a Street Pass like node, and you it would collect yes. a bunch. So I, I could get like you know seven eight yeah. Street Passes at once. I had a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> I I do I do remember um you there was a time like when you were late to something and I asked where you were and you were like oh I'm sitting on the curb outside of McDonald's and I was like what the fuck and you were like street pass bro um did you have any final thoughts you wanted to get out about the 3ds uh no it's my favorite like handheld handheld because we'll, we'll next one we'll get into where yeah. we're going with that. For me, partly for nostalgia value, I would say the Game Boy Advanced is my favorite. Um, it just has the most distinct identity in my mind, and there are so many like classics that I loved on that thing. The 3DS is an excellent console, though, or an excellent handheld. I don't want to, I don't want to be dismissive of it. Um, but like I said, like for me, the biggest thing was I love. Oh, I was also going to say with the Virtual Console, it wasn't just old like handheld games. Like I had a ton of. NES and Super Nintendo games on there as well. So I just, it was just nice to have so many different games completely portable on my system. Yeah, the so, I mean, uh, I, Virtual Console is awesome. I did use it throughout its entire lifetime, and I still break it out now and again uh, when I have a hankering. 
So finally, we're just going to briefly touch on this. Um, the Nintendo Switch is a hybrid where it is kind of like the Virtual Boy, simultaneously a console and a handheld. So we're going to briefly touch on it. Um, it was released on March 3rd of 2017, which is not nearly as long ago as it feels like. Um, and as of July 25th of 2020, it has sold 60.4 million units. I don't know about you, but I do think of the Switch as a console first. I found myself using mine a lot more as a handheld. But yeah, I'm the opposite. Really do appreciate the uh, like the console thing. Like it, it it really is like an almost perfect hybrid. I mean, if you really want to get sticklers about it, the Nintendo Switch Lite is a pure handheld. Yes, that is true. That is true. And that's sold it's kind of as the 2DS a, of the Switch. Yeah, and that, just for numbers' sake, released September 20th, 2019. As of March 31st of this year, 2020, it sold uh, 6.19 million units. Yeah, so, Still doing more for than itself. the Virtual Boy. It, yep, yeah, sold uh, about a little over six times more than the Virtual Boy. Yeah, but that is pure handheld, you're right. Um, one thing that I do love about the Switch being a hybrid console is it it forces games that have recently been handhelds exclusively to be, like, console-level quality now. Pokemon, although whether or not Sword and Shield are console quality is hotly debated by fans. But uh, Pokemon, Animal Crossing, um, I'm sure there will be others. I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll get a Fire Emblem game at some point. We already got one. It's Fire Emblem Three Houses. Is that for Switch? That's for Switch. Oh, uh, I guess I just didn't know because I don't care about Fire Emblem. Well, I Rough. do. Yeah, poor bastard. Uh, I went Golden Deer route. I'm still working on my second route. Yeah, well, we all yep. know how you feel about your face petting simulator, so... That was... <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not about the face petting, alright? It's... <laughs> it's. I don't like this conversation. It's about... <laughs> It's about censorship and video... I'm not going to get into it. I just love the idea of, like, Pokemon and me, but for human fucking beings. That is so bizarre. <laughs> it's the Japanese. Anyway. What do you expect? <sighs> wow. I want to be able to anyway. pet my big titty sister. God damn. Shut <laughs> Never up, mind. Never mind. Anyway. Um... But yeah, I'm just saying the hybrid nature of the console means that, like, I was really worried that Animal Crossing was going to be doomed to be a handheld title till the end of time, because they did two handhelds roughly in a row. City Folk was in there, but it was just a port of the DS game, so I was worried that they were going to keep it that way. Yeah, no, we got our Animal Crossing Wild World 2 New Horizons. Now, I don't think that it works quite as well as a handheld as some of the previous iterations of handhelds, just because it's really big. Yeah, I'm a big boy, so I could fit a Switch in my pocket if I needed to. You but can? I guess you can, now that I have seen I, you do that. Yeah, I can cram one in there, the, the, one of the Joy-Cons will pop out. But I like, promise you I cannot. I would also say that um, in the age of iPads and tablets, it doesn't seem that bulky, but it is much bigger than the handhelds that came before it. Definitely, definitely. 
I have one more forbidden topic. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about the Switch? No, we're, you know, three and a half years in, and seems doing pretty good for itself. We're not going to get a, a Switch Pro until probably next year or the year after. Yeah. They combined a lot of features into one. Like, there is a touchscreen, there are motion controls, kind of. There is the gyroscope, which was another addition to the 3DS, which we forgot to talk about. Most uh, people yes. hate the gyroscope. I've learned to love it. I enjoy gyroscopics. Anyway, so should we move on to the final forbidden Nintendo handheld? Wait, I, I, Brian, I don't see that on the outline. What are you talking about with like a like a forbidden handheld? Well, we already, we already we'll talked just, about the Virtual Boy. I don't know what you're... What, what are we getting at I here? guess we'll just have to... See, I know what you think I'm talking about. You think I'm talking about the Pokemon Mini. I'm not. Oh, wait, what? I'm not. Okay, now uh, I'm actually confused. Yeah, quick context. Um, Dakota collected Nintendo handhelds, as he said. And Justin and I always used to give him shit and say, until you have all the Pokemon Minis, you haven't collected them all. Which we didn't actually believe, but it was just fun to fuck with Dakota. That haunts no. me still. I'm glad. The real forbidden Nintendo handheld Dakota is the GameCube. That bitch had a handle. Man, Nintendo just foreshadowing their products in older products. That, it's insane. That was the portable console hybrid that we needed before the Switch. The GameCube is the successor to the Virtual Boy. It even oh. was supposed to be 3D. Do we gotta, like... Do I have to edit that out now? Do I have to edit the GameCube out of our Nintendo consoles episode? That would be very difficult. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been up for six months at this point. I like to think that the handle for the GameCube is really intended for, like, home defense. Oh, yeah, because that was still still... You're right in the age of Nintendium, so you could beat a man to death with your GameCube and right. sit right back right. down to, to play in uh, Paperboy on your on your yeah. virtual NES inside your inside of Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah, there, there um, we go. That's the that's, that's the conclusion no. of the joke. Yeah, that's the Intruder Cube. If you get him with like the corner, that's real good. Oh, you can bust one open with that. Super lightweight, but very uh, edgy. Literally. Yeah, it is. Wow. Uh, all right. That's all I got. That yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got a lot to think about now, Brian. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll uh we'll wrap up now. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dakmanslefort. That'll be in the description. And I, I'm like, sorry. Comment, review. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, man. You got me kind of fucked up with the uh with the secret handheld thing. Now you're now you're thinking with cubes, brother. Yeah, I'm on a different plane. I'm thinking on the Z-axis now. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Leave a comment, a like, a review. Follow us. And don't forget to always keep your cube handy.